Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today's episode of the Mick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. You know, a new door, a new set of windows can do a lot of things. It gets you pretty crunk, it's pretty excited, but it can also add value to your home and make your home more energy efficient. Pella checks all those boxes and then some, and working with the good folks at Pella second to none. So now is the time. Turn your window and door remodeling dreams into a reality with Pella. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And while we're here, got to tell you about my good friends at Runza. You guys know I was a quarterback in high school. But you know I believe in establishing the run game, just like Nebraska in the 94 Orange Bowl. Got to establish the run game. And even more than that, I believe in establishing the Runza game. That's an original Runza cheeseburger, some onion rings double-dipped in the homemade batter, a little bit of pop to top it off. Oh, my goodness. In football, you establish the run. At lunch, you establish the Runza. It's that simple. Get to Runza today and get yours. Tell them your friend Nick Baugh sent you. All right, a uh, couple of orders of business to take care of before we set up the, uh, the, the podcast. Reminder, subscribe. Subscribe to the pod. Uh, that way you don't miss any of the good content we got cooking for you, especially with football coming down the pike here almost a month out from when Nebraska kicks off October 24th against Ohio State. So make sure you click that subscribe button. And while you're at it, leave a five-star rating and review. I don't say thank you enough, so I'm going to say it again. Thank you for everybody that downloads and listens to the pod. I sincerely appreciate it. Uh, let's set things up, man. Husker Classic. Recaps, week number three. And this is, you know, in the in the probably top three or four most memorable, ga- memorable games in Nebraska football history. It's the 1994 Orange Bowl, number one Nebraska taking on number three Miami. Tom Osborne's first national title. And there's tons of drama in this one. I mean, first you have the quarterback situation. Who's going to start? Is it Brooke Barringer? Is it Tommy Frazier? Then you get in the game. Nebraska gets down 10 nothing early. They're trailing 17-9 heading into the fourth quarter. This was a stressful, stressful game. And there was a ton to discuss on this recap. So Bo Rude and I had a blast doing this one. This was awesome. I think you guys are going to absolutely love this. So let's get to it. Here is me and former Husker linebacker Bo Root breaking down Husker Classic Recaps Week 3. The 1994 Orange Bowl, Nebraska, Miami. Enjoy. When you're a kid, you're oftentimes shaped by what's around you, most notably your parents. Not just character or right from wrong or work ethic that they instill in you, but also what your parents value and love. Let's be honest, usually what your parents love greatly influences what you end up loving. Growing up the son of a former Nebraska football player and then having my best friend Bo Rude be the son of a former Nebraska football player, we were both obviously influenced by our father's love and admiration for Nebraska football. I'd go to the games in the 90s and I'd sit in the West Balcony with my dad. Or sometimes 
I needed a ride to the game with Bo Rude, Bear Rude, and Tom Rude, Bo's dad. And we'd sit together and we'd watch the Husker games. So whether I was with my dad or with Bo's dad, the Husker influence was always prevalent. And what I would see on Saturdays in the fall, in the 90s, shaped my heart and my emotions. I remember looking into Tom Rude's eyes as we'd go to the games, and we'd be walking up to Memorial Stadium, and it was the look of someone that was damn proud of the program we were about to watch. And I'd sit with my dad, who was a pretty mild-mannered individual, and he would let his emotions go on Saturdays in the fall when we'd watch the Big Red. So again, being a child, I was influenced, and I fell in love with the Big Red Inn. And looking back on your life, it's funny what sticks with you when you're growing up. I'll never forget what I saw the night of January 1st, 1995. Nebraska, Miami, Orange Bowl. I watched the game at Bo Root's house. As the seconds ticked away with Nebraska on top of Miami 24-17, and Tom Osborne got doused with Gatorade, and Nebraska winning their first national championship since 1971, I saw my dad and Tom Rude show emotions I've never seen before. They got out a Bob Devaney flask of whiskey and took shots. They were yelling and screaming and laughing, and I just stood there and watched. And I remember being excited that Nebraska won, but there was something about watching my dad's reaction and Bo's dad's reaction that always stuck with me. This was more than happiness. This was more than a celebration. This was a full-blown state of euphoria. And while I got it in the moment, I think as I've aged, I've begun to understand that night more and more. They weren't just happy as individuals, my dad and Bo's dad, which is oftentimes the lens of a child. Your happiness usually comes from pleasing yourself. This wasn't that. They weren't yelling and screaming for themselves. This was all about their former coach, Tom Osborne. This is a guy that they've watched for years get close, get to the doorstep, and come up short time and time again. Lost in 83. Lost the year before in 93 to Florida State. Tom Osborne had lost seven straight bowl games which created this narrative, he can't win the big one. That's tough to hear and tough to see when you know what a man is all about and you know what a coach is all about. And the older you get, the more you realize the importance of the journey and you realize that you are either process-oriented or you're results-oriented. And while being totally results-oriented is tempting in life, I think if you make sure the process is right, Eventually, the results will take care of themselves. As my dad and Bo's dad took shots out of that Bob Devaney flask in the celebration of their former coach, deep down inside, they knew this man had a championship process. And damn, it had to feel good to see that finally get rewarded. And in football, your process and your identity are everything. The program under Tom Osborne hung its hat on three things. Conditioning toughness, and discipline. And in the midst of constant heartbreak for Osborne and the Big Red Inn over the years, what proved to be the difference to get them over the hump were conditioning, toughness, 
and discipline. Those three things were the guiding light that led Nebraska over Miami in the Orange Bowl. This moment, this game, beating Miami to win the title, is probably the sweetest moment in Nebraska's history. After two decades of coming up short, finally, Osborne had done it. Confirming what we all already knew. He was a champion. The whiskey never tasted better than it did in Lincoln that night because it was aged. Sometimes the best things come after waiting. And finally, the wait was over. This is Husker Classic Recaps, the 1994 Orange Bowl, Nebraska, and Miami. Bo Root is here. Do you, like if you close your eyes, can you picture our dads with that flask celebrating? I can see it right now because it was upstairs at my house. Yes. And... There was there was a there was a few other former Huskers there watching it, like with you know all family, friends, right. kids. So the house was packed, and the celebration was incredible. It was unbelievable, and I think the thing that we got to talk about when we frame this game is really everything. It's so funny how so many of these things start like a year ago, but this game was kind of the culmination of everything starting in the 93 bowl game against Florida State where Nebraska led with a minute 16 to go. They're a minute and 6 minute and 16 seconds from winning a national championship and they didn't seal the deal. Charlie Ward leads Florida State down the kick a field goal, Nebraska then misses a field goal ball game, which had this team dubbed the moniker and the whole mantra and slogan of this season, 1994, was unfinished business. Where it was a really motivated team. They were on a mission. And, you know, Osborne talked about that, how I've you've seen clips in, the, in it now with him reflecting on it, that this team maybe wasn't the, the most talented, but it had the best chemistry and had kind of the best motive, collective motivation amongst the group where they would put a minute and 16 seconds during the offseason, at the end of every conditioning session, they would do something else for, you know, a minute and 16 seconds. So I think it's important to understand that, like, this team this team was, was, was motivated in yeah. a way that was – that really kind of guided them throughout the season. Yeah, and I think we're going to – as we go along in this uh, story th- – that that minute 16 that we're going to do this extra every day right. of practice of workouts and sort of the foresight of the players and then later we'll talk about Tom Osborne's foresight those things come to fruition in this game in a way that has never happened before in Nebraska no and and you think about this quick so a few things about the 94 season the 94 season was a tumultuous emo, emotional it's one. not like 95 which no. was start to finish Killing, killing people. everybody. Yeah. I mean, so uh, Mike Mentor, who people called him the quarterback of the defense, he gets hurt two or three games into it, out for the year with a with a knee injury. Then Tommy Frazier has the blood clot after four games, so he goes out. Insert Brooke Beringer, and Brooke was the starter, and in two wins as a starter against Wyoming and Oklahoma State, he has a collapsed lung and broken <laughs> ribs. He goes out, which has the Matt Terman game at Kansas State where Terman has to start. They beat Kansas State 17-6. to 
they they have an emotional game in against Colorado that they win that we're going to talk about a little bit later on Husker Classic recaps. They ultimately run the table and make it to the Orange Bowl, but it was while they were you know they were really good and they were they beat the brakes off a lot of people. It felt like it was a. It was, it was a gr- it was more of a grind. Well, it, it, when you lose two starting quarterbacks in any season ever, it's hard to think you're going to win a national title yes. ever. I mean, just on that fact alone, it puts you in such a vulnerable position. No uh, doubt. So for them to get there with that situation, um, I would say that's it's makes it like I say it's, it's a special season in that light that it was it was not an easy path necessarily, but. Then now you get to the game, right? Yep. And you have a decision because Tommy is is back. back. He's ready. He had his surgery, and he's ready to play. So what does Tom Osborne? Well, do? how about so heading into this game, something that you you know you studying up on this game, and I watched. There's this Big Ten elite on the whole '94 season. It was interesting from the end of the season till the Orange Bowl. It was a constant daily discussion on. It, are you is Tom Osborne going to go with Brooke Berenger or is he going to go with Tommy Frazier? You go with Brooke, you go with Tommy. Do you go with Brooke, you go with Tommy? And Brooke was seven and zero as a starter. Tommy was four and zero, but Tommy had won the job at the start of the season and obviously was a, a, an electric player. But it's hard. Like that's not necessarily the easiest decision in the world. Do you ride with the guy that that got you there, or do you go with the guy that who their skill sets are a lot different? You know, like this yeah. isn't the easiest decision in the world. And the other thing, Bo, is Frazier hadn't played in 98 days. That's not as easy of a decision as people might think. I mean, Frazier was our guy. Yes. But Brooke was a pro-caliber quarterback. They were talking about him potentially making it in the NFL. Right. He had, he had a pretty complete game. He could run, but he, he, he threw the ball. Not, he was a big guy. He managed the game well. And he had the continuity going. He had played. He had the... Like he had the momentum with him in terms of, like, hey, he had he had been playing, like, and he'd been winning. So, um, it's not as easy as okay, it's just it's automatically Frazier. It was a tough decision. I couldn't imagine with that, like, doing like a podcast during that time. I mean, think about that. Have been a heated discussion, and that's just not that's not the easiest thing to navigate. But I think the fact that they handled all this so well speaks to the the chemistry and the and where it was like they were focused on one thing. And yeah. it didn't matter how they arrived at that point. They were on a mission to win this thing. But ultimately, Tom Osborne decides to start Tommy Frazier and not Brooke. And so and that was, you know, the, the pregame stuff, watching the game. That's the, that's the big talk. Who's going to be Brooke or Tommy? They start Tommy. And Tommy struggles right out the gates. That's one of the things, and we'll get more to this, like one of the great – you rewatch these games and you learn something every time. You think you remember these games and you rewatch. Tommy Frazier plays the first two series, and on the second series, he throws an interception and a double coverage, and then he gets taken out and Brooke get put gets put back in. <laughs> yeah, he's out by the second series of the game. Two series gets pulled, and, and and we'll get back into eventually what happens. But he doesn't come back in until the fourth quarter. Yeah. I mean, well, Nick, let me ask you this. I, I, I don't remember. Wh- were they planning on rotating the guys? Uh, or, I, I mean, maybe were they going to give Brooke a series and then see who they wanted? Or was there a definite plan or was it just give Brooke one series? I, I think I, I, 
in in what I could listen to with the announcers and read, like I think there was a plan that Brooke was ex- Brooke and, and To had had fully expected at some point Brooke to play. Like I think unless Tommy went out there and just was lighting the world yeah. on fire, I think it was understood that Brooke was going to get a few series. Yeah, and that and that's a, it's crazy to think about that a national championship game you're kind of like figuring out what quarterback you're going to play. I mean that's that's, that's where we were. Can we hit pause for a second cuz I want to go back you showed me something cuz we've already kind of started the game. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't you showed me I never heard this story and you showed me the play. What happened on the kickoff? So this this is a great Orange Bowl story for for the the historian fans out there. Um Opening kickoff. I think I maybe heard this. Yeah, who either told on, you that? it was either on a, some some show where I had heard just a story from somebody, but on the opening kickoff, Corey Schlesinger was one of the up backs, uh, like kind of the the wedge. Yeah. He's one of the wedge guys, and the Miami the Miami guys are running down, and they're they're flying down the field. You, you see the camera follow the ball. Oh, it's uh. You know, it was Damon, not, I think. I mean, it was Damon. Yeah, Damon. Probably, yeah. Not a big, not a big deal. And then all of a sudden, the, the camera kind of pans back, and there's a guy laying on the ground from Miami, unconscious. <laughs> and so, if you want to go back and watch something, if you follow Corey Schlesinger, he puts his helmet on the guy's chin and puts him in the ground, knocked out. And so the the story goes, all the Miami players went, "Oh my God, who's 40? And they went, these dudes from Nebraska are here for real, man. Like, this is not a joke. You, I urge everybody listening to this to – now, hopefully you guys are rewatching these games before you listen to you. Maybe it would be easy to go back and pull it up. It When you show me – I mean, Schlesinger completely KOs this guy. Yes. And that, that was the tone setter of the game, I feel like. And like you know, there was an omen last week, which was the Nebraska's blocked field goal, right? Which was an omen against us. The omen for us was Corey Schlesinger KOing a Miami guy, KOing a guy right out the gates. Yeah, but so then, so Tommy starts. Tommy goes two series, gets pulled after he throws a pick, and then Miami scores on a little like it was a little almost bubble screen along yeah. the along the sidelines, perfectly kind of schemed. And we don't. T- we just Nebraska didn't, didn't do a good job against it. A linebacker might have been Ed Stewart took a bad angle. Then one of the safeties came down and got shook a little bit, and they score. So they go up ten nothing, kind of right away. And again, you have to kind of put at this time. Everybody's going here. We go again. To Tom Osborne, Nebraska. They've lost seven straight bowl games. They're gonna this. They're down ten nothing immediately. Yeah. You don't know what's going on with the quarterback position. It's uh, it's it's a little tumultuous here. But then the quarterback change happens, and and Brooke comes in. First drive didn't really do much. Second drive, they're driving down the field, and he gets the nice play action pass rolling yeah. out. Hits Gilman for a touchdown to make it ten seven. There was it was kind of a nondescript first half. What would you say? Because we got to. I would say it was Nebraska's offense was struggling. They they were not they weren't mo- they weren't moving the ball consistently. Yeah. Uh, with with Brooke at quarterback, they weren't running as much option. I thought Warren Sapp was really putting his fingerprints yeah, all I, over the game I early. Think, I think it was a you know like I said, it wasn't a shootout. Some of the first two games we've done in this series have been shootouts. Right. This game was it was more of a a little bit more of a stalemate. They got a score. We got a score. 
you know, Warren Sapp and that defense. I mean, Warren Sapp, if people don't really understand, he was the best player in college football, defensive player. Right. And he was probably the best player on that field, truthfully. Offense and defense, he was the best player. And we found out pretty quickly that it's hard to do anything near that guy. Like, you couldn't run at him. He was chasing plays down sideline to sideline. So... And if you drop back the pass, I mean, he was in our guys' faces. It it was pretty impressive to see what Warren sat. We, we couldn't block him. They moved Stye from right guard to left guard. <laughs> and Stye would probably tell you, I could not block this guy. I mean, he, he just you, you had to double and triple team him. He had one – there was one play where Nebraska ran a shovel pass, and he <laughs> grabbed LP. This is L Man-child himself. With one hand of his jersey. And LP stopped in his tracks and and Sap with one hand tug him down. So like, what's fun about this is you you know we know Warren Sap is being this, but like you watch this guy, he was incredible. Yeah. In this game, especially early, because again he had he, he was fresh, he wasn't getting worn down yet. Yeah. But I think it was a I I, I wouldn't say either team's offense was doing much. Miami Miami. Miami basically got all their yards on like three or four big plays. They weren't yeah. like methodically running the ball no. or chipping or dinking and dunking down the field. I would say ne- Nebraska had a few poor – they were poor tackling in, in the open field in a few spots. Yeah. But other than that, it was kind of a – it was it wasn't the prettiest game in the world. And no. then it, and at halftime, it's 10-7. to 7. Now, at half – the Tom Osborne halftime speech is kind of like legendary. And there's even some clips online where basically you you got the sense even in a speech to his team and even in the halftime interview that that T.O. could kind of see what like he was able to predict how this game was going to unfold where it, he felt like they were going to wear Miami down. And it ultimately in the fourth quarter, they would impose their will and dominate and that's kind of what ended up happening. Yeah, and and it was it was really, I mean, he was like a prophet. Like he didn't just say we're gonna win the second half. He's like we're gonna wear them down, and it could be really late, but that's where it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen late in the game, and that's not something coaches usually say, like way later in the game. But he had a sense that that team, he had a sense of their condition. He had a sense of what Miami was gonna be. And he knew he knew his plan. This was a game where the coach's strategy came to light it, like where where it needed to be. Yeah. Where it was like the strategy was important more than truly just the players. It was the strategy. But the other thing I will say is, I also think at halftime and in this moment, experience shined through. Where. In order to sometimes predict things, you need experience and having understand and been there before. So Osborne could could knew that. And then the other thing is, this is a team who the core of their group had just been a year ago in a dogfight for the national championship. That was a low scoring grinder. I think the final yeah. score was what eighteen to sixteen or whatever it was. So that was a and, a, and they got beat in the last. Like they didn't play to the end. So right. this team was ready to play. That full four quarters. That's what was cool. Like, there was never, even in the midst of, you know, hey, 
Tommy starts. Tommy gets pulled. Brooks in. The offense isn't rolling. The defense gets hit with a few good plays. Yeah. Not only was Osborne steady, I thought the whole team never seemed to panic at all. No. Like, but, there was no bad body language at all with anybody. But, it's, but you got to remember, like, you look at Osborne, he is stoic over there. All just... Just, just stoic, and, you just, and that's the whole team. I think fed off of that. Totally agree. So halftime, ten to seven. Here comes the third quarter, and even though Nebraska is all confident, Miami strikes first. First possession of the third quarter, Miami drives down and they get a forty-five yard touchdown. We call that yak yards after it catch. It was all yak. Jonathan <laughs> Harris who is a good player, had a hell of a run, and Nebraska missed a few tackles, and he scores to go up 17-7 to with 13 minutes left. Mm -hmm. Now, the one thing you need to keep in mind is, what is the final score? 24-17? to How much? What does Miami have right now? 17? 17. Miami doesn't score again. So the rest of this game is really about defense – field position, discipline, and conditioning. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what ultimately carries Nebraska here. So, 17-7, to seven, Nebraska comes out. They go three and out. I mean, again, the offense was not – the offense didn't have it rolling a little bit. But Darren Erstad, who I'm going to talk a lot about later, Darren Erstad's having himself a hell of a game. Great punt. Pens Miami inside the 20. Miami gets a clipping penalty that puts them inside the five. Costa, their quarterback, drops back in the end zone, and Dwayne Harris, who has a seven-foot wingspan, (laughs) comes hawking in there, pulls Costa down, safety. Pretty big play. Oh, I, I, so now I, 17 I think that play is huge. What does Nebraska's defense need a big play now? Receivers, nobody back there but Costa in the end zone. Being chased, and that'll be a safety. Dwayne Harris, the senior from Bessemer, Alabama, with his sixth sack of the season and a safety, two points for the Cornhuskers. Because it, to me, it did two things. I think it swung the momentum of the game, and I think the black shirts from that minute, like from that moment on, were a different team. I agree. I, I saw signs of life in the second quarter from that defensive line. So, um, Harris and Donta Jones, those two dudes coming off the edge, especially Dwayne Harris, who he was going on these inside moves. He was using those long arms, and he'd go up and under, up and under, mm-hmm. and they couldn't stop it. But it started really in the second quarter, but that play, I felt like the black shirts from then on were like the black shirts. See, but here's the thing, though, because I totally agree with you. I felt like that was when we talk, you and I always on these pods talk about there's these momentum-changing plays. 
this is a momentum changing play. But one of the things that, and you've talked about that, we've talked about this with the current Nebraska team, the importance of field position and good punters. Yeah. Like you've said as a linebacker, you take, like when your punter just penned a team at the 15 or at the 10, you take the field a little bit more like on your toes, foaming at the mouth yeah. with a little more confidence. Like, again, Darren Erstad giving the defense, like setting them up for opportunities. You know, it's like when you're taking a snap at your own five, it's a totally different dynamic. You're As an offense, you're on your heels a little bit, and the defense is the on your toes. The amount of plays you call when you're on the five and in or the ten is like you throw out 90% of the playbook. Right. You start going, well, that's a risk, that's a risk, that's a risk, that's a risk. You don't take risks. Yeah, you might throw the ball down the field, but it's a like a max protect play or something. You know, it's the the playbook shrinks. So the defenses love that. They love it when the field position is so much more in their favor. And so I just because I, I agree, I think this is when the black shirts really woke up and settled into me. Yeah. But I give an assist to Erstad for giving them the opportunity to settle in. No question. I, I always think of a the punter as part of your defense or something. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean? Like I don't think of him as, a, as an offensive. It's a defensive play. So the punter's like an extension of a defense. So safety 17 to 9. Nebraska then on their ensuing possession, you kind of go, okay, here we go. This is where the offense can kind of Berenger, take us in, Brooke. Come on, Brooke. Brooke, this is your game, right, Brooke? So, Nebraska, on third and two, this might have been, you know, we talk about Mr. Stoic. This might have been the most upset I've ever seen Tom Osborne in a game. Yeah. Third and two, Brooke doesn't pay attention to the play clock and gets a delay a game. So they go from third and two to third and seven, which obviously changes the playbook for Nebraska. And they cut to to T.O. on the sideline. And T.O. was now, I mean, everything's like we used to see like yeah. Pellini, like, you know, I mean, like, <laughs> losing his mind, you know, you know, just mother effing people. And it's all that the stuff. Big 12. <laughs> so it wasn't like that. But like Ozzy was like for him, I wrote down, I was like, Ozzy's upset here. It's yeah. But for Ozzy so, to do anything it's big so he so it goes to third and seven they try to run a shovel pass and it gets blown up so they have to punt and i think the reason osborne felt like he was or he was upset is because you kind of felt like i remember thinking at that moment like this was an opportunity for nebraska to really yeah. seize control of the game and they kind of they end up having to go th- three and out and punt yeah so but again what we're seeing now is mistake like all of a sudden you're seeing the offense really not doing a ton with brooke Blackshirt settling in. Miami has to punt. And we should, I guess we should also just really emphasize after that second possession, T. Frazier has not entered the game. T. Frazier is on the bench. T. Frazier played two series. Dude's been sitting, he's been sitting on the sidelines with his helmet off. Basically, two full quarters. Two full quarters. So, again, Miami, Nebraska has to punt. Miami then. Uh, the black shirts are just yeah. – they have totally taken control of this game. They have to punt. So then Nebraska takes over, and now all of a sudden Nebraska – they put together a nine-play, 58-yard drive, couple of conversions, couple of good runs from from Damon. Had a few – Damon Benning, I thought really – I thought Damon ran well. Yeah. They, they're driving the ball down the field, but a botched kind of snap – 
gets the timing off on a handoff where Brooks bobbling the ball, and he's trying to hand the ball to Clinton Childs. They put it on the carpet, fumble, Miami recovers. And they don't recover it. Big pro- So, again, another, like... As a coach, when your quarterback... Brooks going to commit his final sin in the, in the next drive, but he's committed the three sins of a quarterback, not managing the clock, not getting the snap. And we'll talk about the next one, but he, you can see Osborne. Those are the things a coach it drives him the most nuts, you know? And, and then on top of that, just overall, the offense isn't, the offense wasn't really just flowing, yeah. you know, like I always felt like quarterback, there's just, Things got to be operating smoothly. You're moving the ball. You're moving the chains. You know, like the the offense wasn't doing that. Yeah. So then, that ends the third quarter. Oh yeah. Into the third quarter, seventeen to nine. So here comes the fourth quarter. Again, how many times Nebraska's been? I mean, this is the fourth quarter. They're undefeated. They're right there. Here we go. Is Nebraska gonna? Punch Are we cursed? Through? Are we never gonna win another title? I just don't know. They even ran, I don't know if you watched it, they even ran a montage he did, yeah. of all of Tom Osborne and Nebraska's bowl game blunders. 81 Clemson, uh, 83, 83 Miami, Miami, 89 I think, was it Miami in 89? Miami in, ni- in 89. 91, Florida State in 92, 93, in 92, 93, yeah. Florida 92 State. Like, so they're running these mistakes we didn't get there we got so close and again something I, I wanted to mention too to keep in mind Miami playing at home here they had won 62 of their last 63 games at home in the orange bowl in home the orange field bowl. advantage so I mean here we go everybody here, fourth quarter is this gonna happen or not is it still gonna be know. unfinished business or are we gonna finish the business I don't know here we go <laughs> So after that fumble, Miami takes over. Miami goes three and out. Again, at this point, the the black shirts are just like, they have asserted their will on these dudes. Yeah. This is where there's a theme here with just the little things and discipline and all that stuff. There's a bad snap for for Miami's long snapper. Goes over the head of the Miami punter. The Miami punter has to chase down a, a the ball, and he kicks it like soccer kicks it <laughs> through the end zone. Which now, I, there, was, I, there was a weird Collinsworth who called the game was on it. You could decline. So you have a chance for a touchdown close to the end zone. Yes. Or I think you could have taken the safety. They could, he, so Osborne had a choice. He could have taken the safety, or you take the penalty at the – at the spot, and then it's half the distance to the goal. So it was like on the five-ish. So, think, so it was yeah. at the four-yard line. Okay. So I think that's ultimately the right decision on Osborne's part because you take you first you have a chance at a touchdown, or you for sure are going to get three, which is more than two. Yeah, we're down eight at this point. So, so you need a touchdown. We need a touchdown anyway. So Osborne declines the penalty. They get the ball. Nebraska takes over first and goal from the four-yard line. In really surprising play call. Nebraska goes play action on first and goal at the four. Brooke Beringer is rolling out to the right, and he makes probably the worst decision of the game. Probably of his career. Of his career. Like when you think of Brooke, you think of just you think of just steady. 
That's why he was in that's why the he, national. That's why he played the whole national championship because he was steady. steady. He makes a, a he force it. He's getting strung. One of those. One thing I've always you always know as a quarterback when you're getting strung out, strung out, getting close to the sideline. Those late throws right on the sideline usually are not good ones. Yeah. And he's right before he goes out of bounds. He he tries to throw one to I think it was Gilman in the corner of the end zone. Gets picked off. It was a great pick. I mean, the guy made catch. a great play, but it was a, a a throw that probably shouldn't have happened. So first and goal, Cornhuskers at the four. Barrier still has it after the play action for the end zone. Dangerous was it intercepted? Yes. So think about it, though. So Miami gets a pick. Nebraska now, you know, they, they, had an, they have so many opportunities to seize control of this game. They get the safety. They can't convert. They, they, they have a, the Miami punt. It goes over the punter's head. They kick it out of bounds. They take over a first goal to four. They throw a pick. So at this point, you're, you literally are going, oh, my God. Yeah. And is Nebraska cursed? I mean, thank goodness the black shirts hold again, right? Three and out. So then here comes the decision. So, and, and, and here's the hard part because you made a decision at the start of the game and said, nope, we're going back here. It's hard to reverse courses at that, at that juncture, I would think. I would think it'd be hard for, for a coach to be like, Okay, now it's the fourth quarter, and I'm going to change my mind. I think it's like when you, from a broad sense, it's hard if like you think about the decision going in, you go with Tommy, you then pull Tommy, and you're going with Brooke. I guess when you pull Tommy, it's maybe hard to go back to Tommy. I would think it would. Be. I would think it would be, but that's also the important. That's why you can't predetermine, and you have to look at the scope of what's going on. And with the scope of what was going on, Nebraska needed a spark. A spark. That's what they because you need. you put a, the because Brooke had committed a couple of quarterback sins. He mismanaged the clock. He botched the snap, and then he made a poor throw. And then also, Nebraska's last handful of possessions. So their last four possessions with with Brooke: punt, punt, fumble, interception. Like at some point, and, and you know what? I think if you know, there's nobody in the world that thinks that wasn't the right decision at that moment because we needed we needed something to ch to change it up. It, it we needed that spark, and we had such a talent in Tommy Frazier, who Tom Osborne also had. A ton of confidence in Tommy. Right. I mean, even and though the he's team playing, had a ton of confidence. Yeah. In, there in was Tommy. no. There wasn't. It's a rare situation where the backup comes in and confidence could maybe even go up. Right. It's a rare thing. Not yeah. you're not normally there. Usually, when the the backup comes in, you go, "Oh God, what do we do? Let's just hand right. it off." Or do. when Tommy comes in, you can do any. You can run the option. You can go for it. All right, let's take a quick break to talk about my good friends at Runza. Boy, did uh, this last read explode on social media because I have uh, let you into a top secret menu item that has really blown everybody's mind. Did you know at Runza, you can get anything on a Runza sandwich? 
Like, I love a cheese runza, but if I wanted to, I could get pickles on it or mustard. I could put some more onions in that bad boy. I could put some fries in there. It's anything in the kitchen within reason you can ask for, and they'll add it. Again, I'm a cheese runza guy, but next time I stop in, I think I'm going to throw some some pepper jack cheese on that bad boy. Maybe some french fries on it as well. I mean, you can do whatever you want within reason because every runza is made to order. They all start as an original with no toppings, and they can add the toppings when you order, and boom, you got a custom runza sandwich. You can't beat it. So that's, once again, the super secret menu item from my friends at Runza. The build your own Runza. Get into Runza today. Get one that's just for you and tell them Nick Boss sent you. And while we're here, let's talk about Pella windows and doors. Here's the thing. Putting in you know, some new windows or a new door, it, it's really exciting, but sometimes you don't even know where to begin. Let me help you out. First of all, you, you got to go with Pella. That's obvious. And with going with Pella, there are a couple of directions you can go to start. You can schedule a free in-home consultation. That's right, free. You'll get a Pella expert out to sit down with you, look at your home, and they're going to be able to get a Tom Osborne-esque game plan for you that fits your budget, your wants, and your needs. That's one option. Or option number two, you can head out to the showroom. The showroom is really cool. Sometimes it actually helps to kind of see the window or see the door, feel it, open it, close it to get a better feel of exactly what you're putting into your home. So the showroom is also a great place to start as well. Any direction you go to start, just know that Pella can 100% provide window and door solutions to any home. Check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. Back to the podcast. I also think what Nebraska, the other reason to put Tommy back in the game is Nebraska needed to run the option. Yeah. That was one of the things that was really interesting about this game. And it is probably because it was Brooke was under center for a lot of the game. Nebraska didn't run a ton. Like Nebraska ran the option way more in the 83. We just watched the 83 orange bowl. They ran the option way more in that game than they did up until this point in this game. Yeah. I, but, but if you looked at their season numbers, Brooke, Brooke threw it more than Tommy did on average anyway. Right. And Tommy ran the option more than Brooke on average. And I think it. that, you know, it goes back to, I think Osborne felt like they were wearing the team down. And when you're wearing a team down, maybe that's when you have to go to your, what gives you the better chance running the football. Yeah. I, so that, that, yeah, that was maybe in the back of his mind anyway, was that's that, that option is so effective at the end of games too. So effective. But what's interesting, though, is it's not like a Hollywood script script where here comes Tommy Frazier and he's going to lead him right down the field immediately. No. First drive where Frazier is in, they go three and out mm-hmm. and have to punt. <laughs> so Warren Staff still had life in him at that point. So they go. So Frazier comes in and it's not like all is well and they solve everything, but they go three and out and punt. There's a theme here. What's Nebraska's defense doing? Kicking some ass. Yeah, that defensive I mean, line is, oh, is playing their butt off. They are balling right And, and now. you know what they were doing, too, that when you watch it again, I mean, they are pile-driving Costa. Or oh, Costa, what's his Costa, name? Costa, yeah. Yeah, Costa's getting pile-drived every play, like, head into the dirt. Like, I was thinking, like, get that guy a gurney, because, like, the dude was uh, on life support. That's one of like. the things about both the night, so all the games we watched, 97 Nebraska-Missouri, 83 Orange Bowl, Nebraska-Miami, and then now this 94 Orange Bowl. The, it's amazing how much the game has changed on like the shots you could take on quarterbacks. Just beating them up. Now they're like flat. Now it's late hit, all that stuff. Yeah. Like, 
because you're right. It's a great point. At this point, Wistrom and Christian Peter and and Harris and Dwayne Harris and and Don. Yeah, I mean these guys. These were, guys are teeing off on Costa. He's got no time to throw. So Miami goes three and out. So here comes Nebraska back onto the field with T. Frage. Now his this is now his fourth series of the game. Just his fourth. And there's about nine minutes to go in the game. Lawrence Phillips has they they run option and Lawrence has a great it's the it's the great yeah. inside cut on the sideline a 25 yard gain just a great run. The very next play, old battering ram Schlesinger, <laughs> they run a little fullback dive. He squirts through. On the right pylon, but you know what the best part of that was, and this is one. You know, there's a couple of signature moments, and his the Schlesinger runs are signature. But he hurdles a guy. Yeah. He hurdles like the stubby blockhead Schlesinger hurdles a Miami player to get in the end zone. I I, I always loved like that that little signature that little moment. thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Schlesinger scores, and it's seventeen to fifteen, and now. Nebraska's got to go for two. And again, there are so many things. I it's, think it's the same end zone, too. I, do too. I think it's the, I think same, it's the same end zone. Inside the end zone, yeah. We just recapped this. 83, Nebraska, Miami. They go for two. They don't get it. What do you call? What's the play call? And it's like, oh, it's just. Ugh. So this is where I think this is Tommy Frazier's best throw of his career. And the Cornhuskers will go for two. They trail 17-15. Full house backfield. Frazier will throw. It's good. Two-point conversion. Eric Alford made the catch. Game tied at 17. And redemption for Tommy Frazier. I think it's the best throw of his career. They run a little they want they they run a little rollout, little bootleg to the right. Eric Alford, number 88, big old tight end. He's he just he's dragging over the middle. Frazier throws a rope. I think it stuck. It hit him in the numbers and stuck. It was it looked st- like it truly hit his yes. pat like it like he wasn't ready for it because it was so fast and so perfect. It hit the guy in the chest, and he was like, "Oh!" And then I'll catch it. It was unbelievable. <laughs> you have to go. I mean, it is Fra- Frazier. Frazier throws a a rocket to Eric Alford, who catches it in the back of the end zone, and all of a sudden now tie ball game. Tie ball game. Seventeen to seventeen. Seven thirty eight left, and Lincoln, Nebraska. Is going, oh baby! I mean, think yeah. so right now. Like you, you can kind of taste it again. Osborne's prophecy is coming through, wearing them down, wearing them down. There, there's Nebraska starting to take control. We'll, we're going to win this game late. That's what Osborne prophesized. He knew it. He knew it. We just got to get in that position. Now, here's the thing. There are times where you don't. You know, you catch some, you don't catch a break, and then sometimes you do catch a break. On this next possession, Nebraska kind of caught a break. But I will say 
Nebraska helped helped themselves out with this. Yeah. So Miami goes three and out then, but on third down, Nebraska blows coverage. They yeah. let a guy run free, and thank God the D line du- had some pressure. Dwayne on Harris goes inside, move again, and is in his face, and is in his face. And Costa throws high and long because there is a Miami wide receiver where there isn't anybody in Dade County near Mm -hmm. that guy. I mean, there's no one around him. He catches that thing. He's still, it's 2020. He's still running right now if he catches that thing. But that's just, that's where the, like, this is the black shirts part of this game is that that D line, they started, I mean, like, they were on this, like, you know, they're carrying around baseball bats and beating the crap out of Kyle. I mean, he was over for that quarter. He didn't, he couldn't, he couldn't ever make a throw. He was just heaving the ball up at the end of the game because he just didn't, he didn't have a, a chance. Because I will say, even some of the camera shots, you know, sometimes we talk about wearing them down. Like Miami was visibly tired. Yeah. Like those linemen, at one point, there was a close up of Sap and Sap, I mean, he is huffing and puffing and these guys are worn out. Out. They're sucking oxygen. They're they're taking knees. Yes. They're going to their knees in between like an a timeout or in between, you know. That's a I'll tell you, when a, you when you train as a football player, like in Nebraska, I will speak at Nebraska, when we did our workouts, which were grueling, you weren't allowed to lean on like lean not over. Take a knee, but you weren't even allowed are, to lean. Yes. If you went to your knee, People would basically want to like You're fight you. Yeah. yeah. Like, are you so that like, big of a push? You had to stand with your hands and your hips tall and breathe because they wanted those moments that when it's the fourth quarter and you're looking across to the other guys, they look at you and you're up tall breathing and they're on their knee. And that's exactly what happened in this game. And you listen to all, especially the O linemen whether it was Wiegert, Stye, Graham, Wilkes, all those guys, they talked about how they 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 were able to gain confidence because they could see how tired Miami was. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't block Warren Sapp for four quarters, basically. Right. But but then all of a sudden the game goes on and they see Warren Sapp Taking a sucking knee, oxygen, sucking and oxygen. they go, we got some more in the tank. Like that, that is the, That's the confidence is like, we can do it now. So Miami has to punt. And Nebraska takes over. Six minutes and 28 seconds left. 17 to 17. Ozzie looking for his very first national championship. And T. Frage comes out. And T. Frage was pretty fucking good in this series. Yeah. He he picks up two third downs on options. The first one is the is the the famous one where he he cuts it up early. You know, usually you press the line and you yeah. make the end and then you cut up. He cuts up early and he really is cutting against the grain and he has where he kind of gets spun down or he gets brought down and he cuts, gets up high stepping and spinning. And that's at spin. that point that's the Husker Nation moment in this where game. You go, when T Frage got up and did his little spin. All I remember, we all did that for years. We get up and we do that. Do the little high step spin, and he and he started doing his thing. And I think the one thing I've I've gathered from whether it's Jason, Peter, Damon, Verse, the one thing about Tommy is Tommy had a force of personality and a force of confidence that was real. Yeah. And when that guy was feeling himself, 
the whole team was feeling Nick, themselves. Everybody in the state of Nebraska, when he got that third down, I mean, there was other moments in this drive, but that moment we knew what was going to happen after that. Like, it's like oh. that moment you knew, like, cause that's where Tommy's, that's where you say his force of will. That's where it, 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 it projected us right to what was going to happen. Totally. So he picks up two third downs. And you know, it was another great moment that happened right after that. They ran ISO. Schlesinger hits Ray Lewis, puts him on the ground. He pancaked. Yeah, and Ray, Ray Lewis had a really good game, and he was tough. And I think Ray was drilling. Ray Lewis was cracking skulls yes, this game. Ray was hitting people. But he had to hit ISO with, with Schlesinger, the monster. I mean, <laughs> I worked out with Schlesinger. He's a great dude. He's got the biggest head. And he had a 12-year NFL career running ISOs because God gave him a head and a fucking neck. <laughs> And he was meant to run ISO. And Ray, he put Ray Lewis on his back, Nick. See, that's Fourth they, quarter, right. they talk about Warren Sapp. He put Ray Lewis down. Schlesinger is pancaking Ray Lewis at this that's point. That's the last drive. It's, it's Sapp. It's Lewis. I mean, we were going at their best guys. So Tommy Frazier picks up a, a first down on, 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 Another, thir- yeah. on, th- on third and three. And so here comes the play. Corey Schlesinger, this was a play that Schlesinger tells the story that they installed this play just for this game. Yeah. And Schlesinger tells the story of in practice leading up to the bowl game, anytime they ran that play, he was he he was it was always working. He was running for 10, 15, 20 yards. And he said in the huddle, when that play's called. He, he could feel like, oh, I'm going to score on this play. Less than three minutes remaining. Nebraska already in field goal range. See it. Schlesinger has another touchdown. Schlesinger broke free and took it in for the score. Now explain to everybody what, because it was a huge part of this play is 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 taking advantage for of Warren Sapp's, yeah, like what he's trying to do. So no nobody could block Warren Sapp, and Warren Sapp plays this tackle position where he penetrates. I mean, he gets up the field and and he's almost impossible to block at a college level. He yeah. was we couldn't block him, so we had this play ready where when a guy goes up field like that. The best thing to do is you use his momentum again. So you let Warren go. Our guy releases, blocks down on a linebacker, and the other guard comes over and trap blocks him. So it's a it's a it's a it's an option handoff, and he gets underneath Warren where we're kicking Warren out on a trap, and that's the design of the play. And everybody's looking at T. Frage, everybody's looking at the at the eye back. And it's Corey Schlesinger that's the guy we're giving the ball to. That squirts through and scores the touchdown. And that is one of the... I still can remember the excitement of when you finally see Schlesinger break through to the second level. The the excitement is through the roof at this point. But what a great... I mean, the install just... Ran this play just for this game. You save it for the perfect moment. Boom. Touchdown. Nebraska scores. Kicks the extra point. 
with about two minutes left. Miami comes out. Again, Nebraska, they sack Costa on second down. They sack him on third down. So here comes, it was like fourth and 19. And Costa gets hit and has to heave one up. Interception, ball game. Oh, I remember that. Because I was, I remember being so nervous at home. Because they were basically throwing a Hail Mary with a minute to go. Yes. Which was kind of an odd time to throw a Hail Mary. But they just... It was a Hail Mary formation, and I just remember just oh. your heart's in your throat as a Nebraska fan because you just go, just give us one. Just give us this one, and we get the pick. And, I mean, Kareem Moss with the pick. Cut to the rude, the House. rude household. Pandemonium. pandemonium. Total yeah. pandemonium. And I, we're using – I bet our house was no different than every other household in the state of Nebraska oh. of just a level of joy – that you can't even put into words. And it and then Nebraska comes out a couple in the couple in these ball game. Just the fourth the fourth quarter domination, especially from the defense. Miami forced in the fourth quarter, Miami had four straight punts and then threw an interception and they had negative thirty five total yards in the fourth quarter. You want to talk about conditioning, toughness, discipline, all culminating in that fourth quarter. Because there was a big part of, like, the conditioning was a big part. Osborne got interviewed after the game, and that's the first thing he told us. Like, I think we were the better conditioned team, and it showed. And then Miami had 11 penalties in the game. Nebraska only had three. And two of them were early in the game. So there were just there were some themes running through the game. Nebraska was the better conditioned team. Nebraska was the more disciplined team. And Nebraska was just tougher. The, the tougher team. We were tougher. Tougher for longer in that game. Ball game. Osborne gets doused with Gatorade. 24-17. Oh, my gosh. Two decades. I, I'm, I still, it's my, I, in my lifetime, it's our greatest win. Yes. Am I, like, I think we were better in 95. I mean, obviously, we, we, Kicked the crap out of Florida, but this this is the greatest win of my lifetime. I didn't, I wasn't alive for seventy with the game of the century. I was alive and watched this game. This was our greatest game. Unbelievable game. Twenty four seventeen. Nebraska is is national champs. Tom Osborne's first. Incredible. <sighs> All right, let's get to the uh, the final awards brought to you by Aloe. And again, I I've told you guys. Of all the decisions I've made over the past year, because I've been in Lincoln for almost a year now, the decision to go with Aloe for internet and TV. You've been, pro- you've been raving about it. I love, not only, real quick, with the TV, do you understand right now I could turn on the TV, turn on a football game, and rewind? You don't have, you know, a certain, you got to be like, oh, on yeah. that channel to rewind. I can go to any channel and rewind all back. Like, oh, I wasn't on that channel. Mm-hmm. Boom, I can rewind. It's unbelievable. But the internet's incredible. The speed, the reliability, amazing. My wife can be watching Netflix. My daughter can be watching Frozen in another room. I can be streaming a game. I can be downloading a game. And the internet never has a hiccup. It is so fast. It's truly incredible. The all-fiber network in Lincoln and across the state, second to none. It's the fiber is what you're telling me. It's the fiber. (laughs) Lots of fiber in Aloe's diet. I love it. But here's the thing, too. has got the fiber. Aloe's got the fiber. And working from home, Right now, Big pretty deal. important. You need good internet. Aloe's got the best internet. All right? Go to allofiber.com and 
Allofiber.com. Tell them Nick Boss sent you. Make the switch. All right. Couple of uh, couple of things to get you with these final awards. Uh, let's start with Unsung Hero. I am going to go with, and this is really lame, I'm going to go with Darren Erstad. You were talking a lot about field position earlier, so I'm, you, I, I see where you're, you're you, going with that. Darren Erstad, in a game that, while 24-17 isn't necessarily like a 7-3 game, this was a low-scoring grinder game where field position ended up being super important. Yeah. And we, I think Darren Erstad constantly pinning Miami deep into their own territory, I think infused confidence into the black shirts, got them going a little bit. He, he averaged 41 yards per punt. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, Darren Erstad was enormous in this game. So I'm going to give Darren Erstad the unsung hero of the game. I like it. I Who like you got? Um, I'm going as a as a black shirt. I got to stick with my boys. Um, I'm going to go with Dwayne Harris because one, he had the safety, which I think was the mo- it was the momentum changing uh, play of the game for me. Yep. But he just he had a, a a couple of sacks, and he just the dude just kept putting the pressure on, um, and I just felt like that like his presence. We like our first quarter. We didn't have a pass rush, and for the rest of the game, he basically brought it himself and was right. winning um, pretty consistently. And I, I don't think people remember him even. That's why no, I know as he's, an he's unsung a... hero, I, I had to basically rebuild. Oh, it's Dwayne Hare. I had to re- like right. I forgot he even played on the team, and he was so good that I, I think he needs his a little shout out, some recognition, and that's why I think he fits in the unsung hero. Category. I think that's a great call because he was his. That whole D-line's pressure on Kasia was enormous, and he he was a huge part of oh, that. We beat the cr- I love it when you beat the crap out of a quarterback. It's great. <laughs> Something primal, and you're just like, yeah. And I'm guy. telling you, Costa, that dude needed some ibuprofen after the game. Yeah, I, mean, he, I mean, he got his, his you-know-what kick. Pile drivers. All right, I'm excited about this. The Pop Culture Award. Because anybody that's listening, what we like to do, because we're kind of going down memory lane, it's nostalgia. We like to take a the snapshot <laughs> of what was going on in pop culture at the time, whether that's with the top songs, the top movies of that year. Well, in 1994, big year for movies. I mean, one of the list, best ever. Oh, the list of movies in 1994 is like classics. But I'm going to go with what was, I believe, did this win Best Picture? Did Forrest Gump win Best Picture? It might have. Well, I, it's Nick Baugh's favorite movie of all time. Oh, it's and a it's great a, it's, it's, a, it's a classic. Came out in 1994. The Forrest Gump. <laughs> I'm pretty tired. I think I'll go home now. I'm pretty tired. Think I'll go home now. Award goes to the Miami defense. The Miami defense. Because they were really tired and they needed to take that next bus home. Let's be honest. If they could have just stopped like Forrest did as he was running and just gone home, they would have. That that's a, that was a perfect uh, award for this game because... <laughs> 
we uh, those Miami Hurricanes think they're pretty special, and th- this was our crowning achievement was to shame them into uh, a retired and they to get the heck now. off the field. So. They were fatigued. Conditioning was a huge part of this thing. Uh, a huge part of this sucking thing. Sucking gas. They were, they ran out. They were was... totally gas. So that's my Forrest Gump. I'm pretty tired. I think I'll go home now. Award goes to the entire Miami defense. What do you have, my friend? All right, here's the my award question for you, Nick Boss. So yep. Shawshank Redemption, another terrific movie oh, that yes. year. So my award is the Andy Dufresne. <clears throat> let me try that again. The Andy Dufresne who crawled through a river of shit and came out clean on the other side award goes to who, Nick Ba? Tom Osborne. Andy Dufresne who crawled through a river of shit and came out clean on the other side. Good answer. I knew you were going to answer that for some reason. Oh, that's an easy one. That It's the perfect thing. Anybody that's seen Shawshank, Dufresne is working on chiseling the hole for how long? 20, 20 years. And how long has had Osborne been basically? Was he 25? Was it 24 seasons it took for, for him to get there? Let's see, 1971, 70. so... I guess it's no, his first season as a head coach was, was 73. Was 70, 73. So that was 22, 21 years. Basically, yeah. the same amount of time Dufresne was digging his digging through to get to his spot was Tom, was Tom Osborne. And then all of the losses, 83, 93. All fire him. Fire, fire that fire guy. Is when you're crawling through the sewer of poopy. Just to come out the other side. And the one of the best scenes of the movie is when Andy Dufresne, Tim Robbins, is standing in the rain with his shirt off. Was as, it Gatorade? Was it, it was Gatorade? Gatorade. So yeah. basically, Tom Osborne needed to take his shirt off after he crawled through it all, after he had escaped, and let it just pour down on him because he had made it. Oh, that's, that's the perfect moment. That is perfect, my friend. Good answer. That is perfect. Nick, I would almost it almost feels like you knew that was coming. I, I maybe did. <laughs> <laughs> I maybe did. Okay, MVP. You go first. I'm you gonna go, go first. first. I'm I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna outthink myself with this because I might have thought myself a little bit with Darren Erstead. But I uh, I'm gonna give it to Tommy Frazier. That's fair. That's fair. I just don't think Nebraska wins the game without it. I don't think they win without him. He came in and provided a spark. Now, we only played, what, five series? Five series. In- That's one of the, the things that one of, if someone would have told me before I sat down and rewatched the game, how many series do you think Tommy had? I'd have been like, I don't know. I would have said he played three-fourths of the game. I didn't. I just conf- I forgot. I knew he started. And I knew then Brooke came in. I thought I thought Brooke I thought had pulled, like two series. I thought they pulled Brooke earlier than they did. Yeah, I thought basically it was like, oh, Frazier played the whole second half and Brooke had a series in the second quarter. I That's think, what I thought. I think he infused the offense needed a spark. He provided it. He was three of five passing. Abdul Muhammad played really well at the wide receiver spot and and T Frazier found him for a couple of of of, of completions. He had seven carries. Two big third down uh, conversions with his legs, including the one we talked about where he, he gets up spinning. Uh, but then he has the best throw of his career on the two-point conversion. No doubt. So no to doubt. me, uh, he was the MVP of the game uh, in real life, not just our little podcast thing here. But I'm going to give him the MVP. I'll give it to T. Frazier. 
Who yeah. you got, brother? I'm going to go out on a limb here, okay? I think I know you're going to say. Honorable mention goes to Corey Schlesinger for... Gonna, you, you and Corey, at this point, if, if he called <laughs> you and said, him. do you want to get a two-bedroom <laughs> apartment somewhere, would you move in with Corey Okay, so I'm a former IBAC. <laughs> okay, you know who I want in front of me? Corey, Corey. Schlesinger. <laughs> yeah. I'm just telling him or oh. Mike Moose Johnson, those are the two guys I'd say, just give me those guys. Yes. So I, I just I mean... The guy, I think he he really has a good argument to be MVP of that game. Right. His blocking, he had the, the knockout, the knockdown on Lewis, and two touchdown runs alone are worth it. However, I am going to give the MVP to Boyd Epley and Husker Power. Oh, great. Because this game was about that team and that program, that workout program, the Husker Power. They beat that team in the fourth quarter. And that's what that they were all about. Being bigger, stronger, tougher, more conditioned. And that's exactly what happened. That's perfect. That is perfect. As much as I love T Frage, and you, I say they don't you regret, win, you regret, I regret. Can I take it yes. all back? No, I, as much as T Frage was, was huge. They don't win the game. They won that game before they stepped on that field. He, he did have an awesome, an awesome, couple of series though i mean he just he he provided that little spark that they needed but boyd epley and that that crew that's a that's a great one okay to to put a bow on it i mean i think we've kind of already hit on it but the legacy of this game i will echo what you said i think when it's all said and done and we all gather around a table as a as nebraska fans and we all get a couple beers or wine for you and i or whiskey for whoever and we all talk about the history of the program and we say, what is the sweetest win? The win that probably felt the best. I think it's this game. To me, it's the, it's the greatest I've ever seen. It's our greatest moment. It, I, I don't even, I, I, and I know when I say that, I, I don't have, I, I believe that. Because this is the moment here. It's not the best team to ever play at Nebraska. Nope, not at it's all. It's not even, it wasn't even, they didn't even play that great. No. But everything with the two decades of just grinding and working and getting so close we're talking you get a two-point conversion away in 83. You're a minute and 16 away in the in against Florida State in 93. You are you have been close so many times and finally it happens. I I don't regardless of how the game unfolded, it would have been sweet, but then not only not only is it a grind to get there? Then the game's a grind yeah. too. You know what I mean? Like, so not only did you have to earn it for two decades, you had to earn it for four quarters. It was a fourth quarter comeback win for the national title. It's incredible. It is, and the way we did it, it felt so like it felt like Nebraska. It was earned. It was tough. It was a grind, and we had to outwork and outlast them. Right? Did it? Didn't beat them be, because. The, the bigger, like the, we, the, we weren't the faster, the, quicker, yeah. more athletic. It did it because tougher, stronger, and better condition. Wanted it more, and just and just wanted it more. So to me, that is that's kind of what Nebraska is all about. So to me, that I think we're in agreement. I think the legacy of the game is just. I think when when it's all said and done, this is the this is the sweetest game. Yeah. 
and, and to just to think about what you said to open this thing off, that ceramic Bob Devaney uh, whiskey case, and I can our our dads it. like to to ever pull that out again. Like Ooh. that, that's what I hope for the future because of that moment. This game. Our greatest game ever. Absolutely. And it all starts with, you know, it, it began with coming up short in 93, the motivation running throughout the season, just absolutely amazing. This game was a blast to watch. So much fun. Oh, all right. So that'll do it. Husker Classic recaps. Nebraska wins Coach Osborne's first national championship, 24 to 17 over Miami. Unbelievable. We'll take a pretend cheers, acting like we just poured a shot of whiskey out of a Bob Devaney ceramic flask here. We did it, National Champs. We all did it. Go Big Red. And while you're taking a drink with this cheers that we just did, I'll leave you with this. Here is Bob Costas, the studio host on site for the 1994 Orange Bowl. This is what he said when he was signing off with a final thought on Tom Osborne and Nebraska finally winning a national championship. This was perfectly stated. Here's Bob Costas. It has finally happened for Nebraska. In another marvelous and memorable contest at the Orange Bowl, they've finally done it. Three times now, Nebraska coach Tom Osborne has brought an unbeaten, untied, number one ranked team to this game. Again, his reputation for losing here ringing in his ears. Now he's trying to get the water out of his ears. He has borne all of it through the years with a dignified, self-effacing manner, and now his great coaching resume is complete. While those of us in network television aren't supposed to root, I think we can allow ourselves a chance to smile and some words of appreciation for a man who has studiously avoided self-aggrandizement in an age all too devoted to style over substance. As we leave you now, try to imagine what it must be like right now in Nebraska, where there are no major professional sports teams and no other major university within its borders. And in Lincoln now, and all across the Nebraska Plains, this first national title in a generation is a wonderful way to start this new year and a wonderful and crowning moment in the career of Tom Osborne. Nebraska national champs, 24-17. All right, my thanks to Pella. If you're thinking about a new window or a new door, now is the time. Check them out online, on the web at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And uh, my thanks to my good friends at Runza. Best fries on the planet, great burgers, cheese Runza, delicious. The food is simply fantastic. Runza makes it all better. A Huda Media Production.